Welcome to the Skyrocket Education Podcast. Featuring Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They've seen everything, and they're here to share that with you. Get ready for the most honest, no BS, totally unfiltered education podcast around. Buckle up for informal observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations, Skyrocket Education. I'm Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket, here as always with the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, what's up, man? Hey, Michael, how are you? I am phenomenal. Come what on. is, uh, hey, can I start with a funny story? You want to hear something good? Yes. Could you remember that. on our show a couple weeks ago where one of us, I think it was you, but one of us talked about dog shit for like 30 minutes. Do you remember when you did that? <laughs> that was, that, that would have been you. I, so I think it was you, but let's agree to disagree. So anyway, I invited some, like a real, I haven't even told you the story. I invited a really serious, like decades long, like forefather educational figure onto our podcast. I haven't even told you about this. And the, he listened to an episode to see if he was interested in coming on. And guess which episode he listened to? Yes, the one where you talked about dog shit for the whole time. And then he declined to come on the show. To which I wrote back, I'm like, no. I'm like, it's actually a really serious show where we have uh, listeners in lots of different countries. And um, when we have guests, we are more serious than we, uh, than we were in that one. So he said he's going to give us a second shot. So I'm not going to put his name out there, but if he, if he still declines to come on, I am going to, we're going to run his name through the mud. Does that sound fair, Vance? <laughs> well, it depends on who it is. I, I have an idea. I, yeah, I, I, could, I, I could see why they would think that we weren't that serious. But yeah, time to check out a few more episodes. Uh, Vance, we have an awesome guest tonight. Uh, her name is Dr. Courtney Lemon-Tate. She is uh, Director of School Leadership with Independence Mission Schools here in Philadelphia. We're both, randomly, we're both in Philadelphia on the same night, which almost never happens. Um, and we'll bring Courtney out in a little bit because we want to talk about systems and, um, yeah, like just leaders who create systems around culture and goals and tracking data and around all the little and big things that happen throughout the course of a day, a week, a month, a year in a school. And Courtney's an expert at that. So we're excited to bring her out. Um, but before we get there, let's do our three questions for the good doctor, as always. Dr. Vance, did you watch, this is not the question, but I need to ask this question <laughs> to get to the question. Did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? I did. You did. Were you rooting for, who are you rooting for? This is eh. still not the question. This is still not the question. Eh. Rooting? Rooting. Nobody, right? No, it's just, it's just a, a formality that you just have to go through, even if your team isn't like play just like have to like watch it and wait you say your team do you have a team you don't have a team how do you know i don't have a team you we've never i do have a team but i don't i don't usually talk about it because they never um 
they, they never produce and I don't like being ridiculed as you know um so what tell, tell me to, the tell me the team no no so you can poke at me for the remainder of my life no no when they win something then I'll be like ah that was my team <laughs> wait so you're literally afraid to tell people the football team you root for so you, I guess I assume you it is not, it's not the bears. It is not. I was going to say you're from Chicago. I assume you don't have a Jersey or otherwise we would all know. <laughs> so what happens if your team is on, you don't cheer, you just sit there stoically because you don't want to let anybody know. I don't want to let anybody know. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm fascinated by this. I am I'm not. A fan. Let me tell you, but this, this go, I am not a fair weather fan. I like stick to something and I, regardless of them getting beat up and losing for decades, I will remain. I'm not fair weather. So give me that credit. I think it's New York Jets. I think you're a New York Jets fan. <laughs> well, there's a smile. There's a laugh. Um, Vance, did you watch the halftime show? And if so, what'd you think of it? Um, oh yeah, I did. I thought it was, um, a wonderful tribute to, um, hip hop. Um, I thought it was good. It was okay. It was all right. It was okay. That's the review. <laughs> that's the I mean, whole review. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the whole review. I am not a, um, a fan of Mary J. Blige. So, um. you know, my sister, who's our producer, <laughs> is she likes Mary J. Blige so much. Really? She's such a staple of her youth. We often joke because growing up, we had, um, we had uh, our bedrooms were adjacent, and I would hear What's the 411 by Mary J. coming through the wall. <laughs> And she'd be hearing like some insane Rob Zombie, you know, Metallica coming through the wall. But my sister's a huge uh, Mary J fan and will will physically attack you for, for <laughs> disparaging her. I am, um, dude, I, this is, you're gonna, I don't know, I don't know how this is gonna land with you. I was underwhelmed and wholly dissatisfied or unsatisfied at the end of it. And I like every single artist. I don't know anything by Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Lamar, but I thought his performance was cool, but it felt like it never got started. Uh, they didn't play enough songs. I know that there were five different artists, and so it's hard to give everybody equal airtime, but it felt like we got a little bit. I know they usually do medleys, but it's usually one or maybe two artists doing medleys. So you get that artist the whole time. And it's like, oh, what are they going to play next? And I felt like every time I got to a place where I was excited, my interest got peaked, they went to something else. And I get that that was the intention of it. And they're trying to get everybody to be heard. But I heard people saying, this is the greatest one of all time. Man, I could not disagree more. I thought it was, I thought it was just okay. It was cool. greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. LeBron James said that. Who said who who LeBron said that was the greatest halftime show of all time? Yeah, I mean lots of people said that. I'm just quoting LeBron, but like lots of people said it was the and greatest you like one. LeBron. Ever. You you take LeBron's word as, as Goldman. I mean Oh, LeBron says anything, I'll do it. <laughs> LeBron says LeBron says jump off, jump off book and bridge, I'll do it. Um yeah, I didn't think it was great and uh I will say, though, what do you think? I'm, I can't get into Eminem's beer. Can you get into it? Now, you know I'm an Eminem fan. 
I know you're an Eminem fan. You actually said on one of our earlier episodes that you think he's the greatest rapper of all time. Which I, I believe was, I did. That was very early. Um, I, I think he is extraordinarily lyrically talented. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's talk about his beard because I think it looks weird. <laughs> Let's talk I about your beard. Think. What are you saying about? This beard is amazing. <laughs> People come from come from miles away to look at this beard. No, but at least this beard, like, I can't get into, like, the razor thin. Like, it looks like he dyes his beard. Does he dye it, you think? <laughs> I don't know what he does with his beard. I, yeah, I agree. I was underwhelmed. Um, I, I like those artists um, as much as I can like them. But, I mean, I could have had a V8. I like it. All right. Informal Observations brought to you by V8. Um, <laughs> Vance, for somebody who doesn't like music, do you notice how every single episode I bring up music? Um, what is what is something you learned since the last time we were together? Um, learned. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm learning something every day. I think that I have learned, um, and I've definitely been inspired over the last, um, you know, since at least, you know, especially since our last podcast in the beginning of the year that um, just the resilience of folks, like I'm actually starting to feel like leaders and schools are starting to come out of this cloud and mm. conversations have started to shift. I think I mentioned before um, that, you know, I spoke to a teacher and they mentioned that they felt like they were in a, in a dryer on tumble and they were just like, couldn't get their, their footing. Um, mm. And I would say that my conversations in the last several weeks with lots of leaders um, have been much more productive. Folks have started, I actually saw some data um, from a recent survey of, of multiple schools. Um, and there was a question that asked about um, if, if leaders and teachers were optimistic um, about the future and um, almost 90% of folks responded positively. And oh, wow. I don't know, I think that we're starting to, you know, get our footing, things have, you know, sort of quelled down and hopefully um, with that, you know, folks will return to teaching, we'll get teachers back and, um, the great resignation will turn into the great recruitment, um, hopefully. It, it's interesting, though, because even in a normal year, it's funny they said it, because even in a normal year, uh, in the middle of February, especially where we both live, which is in the Northeast, where it's pretty cold this time of year, yep. teachers are fried. They're fried. Yeah. Everybody's fried. Right. Like, so I get that this is different. I'm not suggesting it's the same and it's not the same. And it's important to acknowledge that it's not the same, but I do think it, it, you know, like, I mean, how many times when you were a teacher, were you in February, like looking at like other jobs and, right, like, right. Talking, like, <laughs> and then you're like, Oh, I'm just going to become a teacher. I'm just going to say as a teacher, because it, like yeah. the summer hits, the weather changes, the birds are chirping. You're like, Oh, I can do this. I mean, it's part of the gig. Right. So that's really, that's really interesting. Maybe the last two years have been like a prolonged, like, you know, January through March, where it's just like, I like you're, you know, you're struggling for oxygen, but I, I hope that, I hope that you're right. And it's, 
that's really um, that's really awesome to hear that folks are um, that folks are optimistic. I mean, we we have to be right, right? I mean, we well, we don't have a choice, right? Look, folks have to be optimistic. We teachers have to come back, and leaders have to stay. Um, we don't have a choice. Listen, I don't know how it's gonna. There's no chance that hundreds and hundreds of schools in this country are just going to close down. There's no chance. So it's going to get figured out. I don't know how. Um, I don't know by whom, but uh, you're right that we don't have a choice and it's going to be, it's going to be figured out. I have, I have two that I want to share. One, one's quick. I'm not big on social media, which we talked about, but there was this meme on Twitter the other day. I am psyched because I feel like people are coming around to our way of thinking. And so somebody wrote this idiotic meme, no offense to whoever wrote this, but it said, imagine if schools actually help kids identify their strengths by exploring their talents from a young age and growing their skills over the 12 years instead of letting them all follow the same routine and leaving them confused in life after graduation. And so that's the, that's the meme. And so somebody responded, and I want to get this person's name, this guy named Tom Bennett. I don't, I don't know who he is. Um, Tom Bennett, 71. Maybe he's born in 1971. Maybe he's 71 inches tall. I don't know. Maybe he has 71, 71 football. We get it. Tom Bennett, 71. I'm trying to promote this guy. He wrote this. This is great. He goes, imagine thinking children are born with magical secret fairy gifts that we can discover rather than being capable of becoming good at things through careful instruction. And I was like, fuck yeah, Tom Bennett, 71. Awesome. Like this idea of like, what? Oh, kid, blah, blah. Just like this idea of like, imagine if we nurtured children and we each one had their own individual gifts. It's like, nope. Every kid is almost exactly the same. They all learn the same way. They need really clear structures, really clear routines, direct instruction. Like, let's do that instead of this. Like, I love this line. Imagine thinking children are born with magical secret fairy gifts that we can discover. Such a, <laughs> I just love this idea of blowing up this idea of this like new age, put kids in groups of five, They'll discover it together. Look, we don't believe that at Skyrocket. I know there's a school of thought that folks, uh, that some folks buy into that. It's not us. And it was cool to see that. Anyway, that was a quick meme. Here's, so that one resonated with me. Here, here's the one that, this one's awesome. Uh, this is absolutely awesome. And it blew my mind. And that doesn't happen often. I was in a, um, I was in a school in Milwaukee and observed a, uh, a coach coaching a teacher. And one of the things that she was giving him feedback on was the fact that he wasn't holding students accountable for wearing masks. Uh, they were wearing them down like beneath their noses and beneath their lips or whatever it is. And she said something, and as I say it out loud, it doesn't seem brilliant, but for me, it hit me as like, oh wow, I never thought of it like and she said, you've got to hold kids accountable for wearing their masks. She said, there might be a student in that class who's uncomfortable sitting next to another student who doesn't have their mask on. And it's not their job to advocate for themselves in that situation. It's your job to advocate for them. It's not, we can't, we can't put it on the kids. Right. You've got to advocate for them. And it was such a, 
a mindset shift for me. And I'll, I'll go with masks now, but I'll, I'll bring it bigger in a moment because for the whole time it's been like, well, masks, safe and expectations and this and that. But never once did I think, hey, like Tanya might be upset that James doesn't have his mask on and she's 12 and doesn't know how to actually say that or doesn't know how to have that conversation in a meaningful way. And if the teacher doesn't say it, the teacher's actually hurting Tanya's ability to not even that advocate for himself. He, he's, he's, not, he's not supporting her, right? And so I started to think about all the things that we hear in schools where like, especially during this tough time, like, oh, like, yeah, you know, some kids have their, have their jackets on. And it's just like, okay, if we're sitting next to each other in class and you have your jacket on, that doesn't affect my health the way somebody not having a mask on might affect my health. But still, I'm like, hey, I was told the rules. I know, I know I'm not supposed to wear a jacket, but Vance is. Absolutely. Who's going to say something to him? And, and Michael has his head down. But, and the teacher's not saying anything about it. I have my head up. I'm tired, too. Can I put my head down? What if all 27 of us put our heads down? And that so much of this is not about, like, well, Michael's tired or, like, Vance likes to express himself in a certain way, but it's like you told people what the rules were. If you don't hold everybody accountable, it's totally unfair. And it puts kids in a position of now having to advocate for themselves, which, by the way, is a real important skill that students should learn. But in a like a really structured, uh, you know, in a really structured, uh, explicitly taught way and not in a like Vance has his head down. Right. Sombert has his head down. I, I want to put my head down, too. I'm pissed off that the teacher's not saying anything. And if you think about Vance as an adult, I hope not at Skyrocket. In fact, I'm certain not at Skyrocket. But I'm sure you've had jobs where you're like, hey, so-and-so comes late every freaking day. I, I'm here on time every single day. That's not fair. As adults, we have those conversations. Imagine what it's like for a child, right? I thought it was such a brilliant, like, she's like, you've got to advocate for that, those children. They don't they don't, they, they don't leave it up to them. You, you've got to do that. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think that's really inspirational. And it makes me think of, um, you know, my years, you know, teaching high school students who were probably a little bit more, you, you know, apt to, to advocate and to, yeah. to, to say things, but still not, not to the level that, to, to what you're talking. So that definitely resonates. And I think that I mean, you can apply that level of expectation across so many different things in, in classrooms. Yeah. And we, we often forget about the, the voice that gets lost for students and, and the role and why, why it's important. And we don't just do, and I think today we're gonna talk about, you know, children strive in structure, right? Yeah. No kid wakes up in the, in the morning and says like, hey, I wanna like go against the grain. I want to be yeah. the outcast. I want to be the person that like disrupts the day. And so when someone is doing the right thing and you see other people not, and they're not being held accountable, it sends all these conflicting messages. And I mean, I think that is, that's a really great perspective to, to, to think about and putting that onus back on, you know, the adult, uh, the reason why there's an adult in the room yeah. Um, to, yeah. to hold those expectations. I think that's brilliant. Brilliant coach. Vance. Yes, she's re she's really good. Vance, do you have a do you have a drink in your hand that's also going into your mouth? 
Yes, point. I am. I, I had a I had a date today, so I am. I am definitely. Um, I heard you had to escape from a broken down train, <laughs> run across the multiple today. platforms, and then <laughs> hop onto a different train. Right. I had a rough, rough day today, and yes, I my plant my train um, needed a new engine. I didn't know they just they can do that easily. Swap them out. I also forgot my computer at home. Brought my charger, but did not grab the computer. Um, so don't have a didn't have my computer. It's just been a one of those days. So I'm like, I just need a drink to kind of. What's the drink? What are you having? I am having Crown Royal. Mm, with and what pineapple juice there you a go a splash man. of pineapple I mean, it's very I, can set, I can set my watch by what you drink man crown royal with a splash of, splash of pineapple I like it um, I'm doing a little red wine not a little so this was filled to the top <laughs> five minutes ago so just forget uh, the wine glass right no no actual wine glass I don't think we do we have wine glasses here we sh- should you can't drink wine out of like it's like you might as well drink it out of a plastic red cup yeah i'm i'm not i'm not above doing that i'm um, aware we're working on that yeah. we're working on that let's bring out our guest um she is as i mentioned uh well she's a, a brilliant and funny and cool and uh like fearless i think fearless is a good term to describe our guest. Um, she's also a doctor like you, Vance. So don't be getting all high and mighty, the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> you you brought this up. <laughs> no, this is my insecurities coming out. Two doctors and me. All right, but don't be getting all high and mighty here. Well, we'll just um, talk scholarly language the entire time. And I'll be totally lost. <laughs> I'll be just over here stroking my ridiculous beard. Um, she's the director of school leadership for Independence Mission Schools. For that, she was a principal, an assistant principal, a teacher, I think she was a scientist at some point. She was actually, she listed on her pre-interview that she was a donut shop girl, which to me feels like she just worked at Dunkin' Donuts, but she gave it a fancy name. Um, let's welcome Dr. Courtney Lemontate to the show. Courtney, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. And thanks for that wonderful introduction. I'm going to invite you. To my school all the time to introduce me like that. Yes, you should always be introduced like that. You can you can use that recording and uh, play it whenever you walk into a room. Courtney, we have a lot of serious stuff to talk about, but can you tell us what is donut? What the heck is donut shop girl? Is it just someone who works at a donut shop? It was one of my first jobs. I was fourteen. This donut shop. I always had a job. So there was two competing donut shops, but this is like the, one of them was like the old school where you can like smoke and you can like have a, like a donut with like coffee and you sit there all day. Mm -hmm. So I had like all of my regulars. There were these little um, world war two vets, like all these like, like old retired, like people that would just come in and sit there for like eight hours. And they would give me like, sometimes they would bring like chocolate or tips or like, you know, like, like treats and stuff like that. And basically I just entertained them for like eight hours of my day. I would like, you know, tell them about like my life. I mean, I was in high school at the time, um, but they were like the sweetest, sweetest people. So then I also, at the same time though, wanted to make a lot of money. So I went to the other donut shop. It was called, um, Tommy's donut. So donut connection was the old school Then Tommy's donuts, which was like all about the donuts, no smoking allowed. It was like, 
mm. you know, really like, but see, my, my regulars were different because it was just two different crowds of people, but I was simultaneously serving everyone in my hometown at some, whether they were, you know, that type of donut person or the other. Um, they also let me open the place and like count money at like six in the morning, like by myself in high, in high school. Yeah. I was like 14 and 15. Um, so it was like pretty crazy. Like when I think back, I thought I was an adult, but when I think back now, I'm like, they like trusted me to like open an establishment and like set things up alone. I mean, now, like someone would come in like an hour later, but like there was like a whole hour. Also my parents let me do that. So there's just a lot there, but did yeah. each donut shop know that you were working for the other donut shop or was it were you pulling some like uh, maneuvers there? They did not know at first, but then the old school one found out and they were like very <laughs> upset, but at the same time wanted me to stay there because I had so many regulars. So they couldn't really do anything about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, they definitely weren't happy about the competition. So I'm picturing this the way I'm picturing it. I'm picturing this as like, when you say regulars and that you would be on like an eight hour shift and people would come to see you. I'm picturing you, know, you were too young at the time, but like, it's like with a, with a bartender and yeah. you're like, basically you're not serving alcohol, but you're like, Hey, like we're going to go, we're going to go see Courtney at the donut connection. Um, and uh, you know, was it like a tip, like, was it a tip driven job or, or folks just paid and then they were done? Oh no, like, well, like it was an hourly wage. I think of $4 an hour. I think somehow they were allowed to pay me $4 an hour. Like I am looking back. So the, the <laughs> newer donut shop paid me six fifty an hour. And I remember that was like a ton, but I didn't yeah. get the tips there. Like I said, the other one paid me four twenty five. I'm pretty sure that was illegal. Um, potentially not, but it got a lot of like tips. So they would be there all day and they'd give me like $5 or $10. Um, but yeah, it definitely helped as far as, and they were like the sweetest, nicest people and had like so many great stories because they were 70, 80, 90 years old. And I would just give them eclairs and old fashions. And, you know, that was my day. Yeah, old fashions. Is that a donut? I know the drink old fashioned. Okay. okay. No, it's like, a, it's like the most, it's the plainest donut. It's, it's the most sad donut. Like it's a donut that only someone in their 70s would want to eat like I feel like it's like you can't have a lot of sugar so like you're gonna eat an old-fashioned that's, that's what I would describe that donut as got it got it yeah. um we are uh we I think we've gone off the rails here we're talking donuts and uh, and, and child labor laws <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say that's you're uh, on the technical one here <laughs> I have a dad joke about your donut days you guys want to hear it do we have a choice? You do not have a choice. Got it. Hey, uh, Courtney, it sounds like back in the donut days that you were uh, between Donut Connection and Tommy Donuts, it sounds like you were double dipping. <laughs> yeah. Did I miss the joke? Yeah, you didn't miss the joke. Wait, wait, what was the joke? Double dipping, you know, donuts get dipped, right? Double dipping. She was going to both places. No? Yep. All right. All right. Let's get started. Courtney, you are the director of school leadership <laughs> for Independence Mission Schools. Tell us, what does that role entail? Um, so I have moved on from my donut days. So in my new role, um, I started actually this past year. I manage, um, I work for a network of 14 private schools. It's a network in Philadelphia, and I manage seven of them. 
Um, so it, my day-to-day pretty much is supporting school leaders and their leadership teams, um, helping them support their staff. And then also, I think something that I learned while I was doing my role that I didn't anticipate is I also am really a liaison between um, the schools and the network. So kind of like bridging the differences between the two and making sure everyone's on the same page and all of our um, central office departments are communicating with leaders and leaders are communicating with them. Got it. And then you have, um, you're now part of the central office. And so you came out of, you were a principal at a school before this, right? And now you're part of the central office. Have there been challenges with saying like, hey, I've left. I I remember when I left, when I left the school and went to the central office, people said like, you joined the evil empire. You're on the, you're now like a bad, you're a bad guy now. Have you experienced anything like that? as you made the transition? Um, luckily, I've, I've not been, call- we've not been called the evil empire, um, but I do think there was definitely, even for me, um, just a learning curve as far as, um, just like when you go from being a teacher to a principal, where like you learn about all the other parts of the job that like you might've known as a teacher, but you didn't necessarily fully understand. So I think mm-hmm. for me, it was eye-opening. And I also think part of what I try to do is make that, um, more known to, to principals. So, so kind of going both ways, making central office be more aware of what it's like to be a principal and making principals more aware of like what we're doing in central office to support them. But I uh, definitely, yeah, some, some challenges were there for sure. Got it, got it. Um, Vance, can I do one more question? Is that cool? Absolutely. I don't want to get yelled at. You yell at me so much that I want to make sure I don't <laughs> get yelled at here. Um, Courtney, we're talking about systems on this show and uh, the need for systems. And you're someone who's very strong at creating systems, right? Like your leadership, not that you're not dynamic or that you can't do things on the fly, but it's very much around like, here's the plan, right? Here's the, here's the spreadsheet we have. Here's the protocol we're following. And so have you always been like that? And if so, why? What caused, aside from your, your donut days, what caused you to be such a systems thinker? So I think um, I personally just thrive in, in areas where there's great systems. So for me, it's, it's like a comfort thing to know that there's a process for something or there's a way to um, do something. Um, I, obviously, when I was a, I was always a very responsible person and I tried, even in my donut days, I was obviously good at, I mean, I was, I was given... I don't know, responsibilities that probably a 14 year old typically wouldn't be given. So I do think I've always been able to um, kind of plan. And I also notice where there needs to be a system. So I think part of it is just like understanding that there's like a a gap or there's like a miss somewhere and then figuring out like, how can I make this better is something that I, I enjoy doing. So I think it's something I did even as a child, Um, but you know, now obviously it serves me in in my current role and, and, and as a leader and as a teacher. Courtney, I'm curious, like, do, do you think that people are born with that or can we, is it possible to make someone be a systems thinker? And that's my own part. I struggle with that too, because I'm a systems person as well. And I get often frustrated with people that don't enjoy my spreadsheets and <laughs> <laughs> documents. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it, I don't want to say yes or no. I think it really, I've seen, I've seen leaders and teachers be able to 
to start to implement systems and think more strategically. But I've also seen, you know, in situations where there's just a, um, almost like an inability to like plan that far ahead. And I, and I think with great coaching and support, people can get there. I also think to your point, they have to want it, right? So they have mm-hmm. to want something to get better. So if they want something to get better, I think it's easier to coach them on that piece so that they can see the win and see how, oh, this made this easier. Let's mm-hmm. do it in other areas. Um, but it is, I think, there's a level of, of innate innateness, I guess, do it. But also, I think it can be coached. It right. can be. And it's not like an OCD thing that you have to be like born with. Because I mean, I don't think, but there still has to be, oh wait, you're making a face. Maybe there is yeah, some. I, well, I think it would help. I think I think like that's a, that's a silver lining. Um, if you, because if you do, like for me personally, it makes me like actually feel better. Um, yep. So I think that that helps that I'm like compelled to do these things because I want to feel good. Um, that, oh, there's a system, there is like a comfort, it's like a safety right. blanket almost. But no, I don't think that it has to be to that ex- extent. And I also think over time, people can get better at it, right? I've especially seen this with mm. students, where, you know, even in younger children, like they do develop this understanding over time of like process, right. things like that. Mm? I like that idea. You know what I'm realizing? You're- I never, Courtney, we didn't ask you what you're having a drink. Are you having a cocktail tonight? It's not a cocktail. It is a beer. Oh, what kind of beer? Um, it's a it's an IPA. All right. Yes. Um, it's by Daisy Cutter. It's, I mean, it's by a Half Acre. It's called Daisy Cutter. I'm an IPA person. I haven't so heard of any of those happen. things. You're a big IPA person, huh? Yes. Yes. Big IPA. Got it. Got it. All right. Cool. Do people um, identify by the their like I'm a I identify as a IPA? Is that a thing? I mean, I think there's definitely a thing where like IPA people think we're special. I don't know that people that drink Pilsner think they're special. And there may be a portion of people that judge other people. Got it. That's all I'm saying about that. You know, but so do people like you who drink IPAs judge people like, I don't know, somebody on this call, not Antonio, who drinks like PBR and Miller High Life, you judge us? I think this goes, again, back to my bartending days. I don't judge you. I just, like, I feel like I know something about you. Like, I feel like it gives, <laughs> gives me a little, like, window into who you are as a person. Uh, let's open the window. What, is it, what does it tell you about a person if they drink <laughs> Miller High Life and PBR? And I have a lot of friends that drink Miller High Life and PBR. And to, yeah, okay. I just want to put, I just want to, you know, disclaimer. I just think that um, they might, you know, they're maybe like they're easily, they're just, they're like, I don't know, they accept things the way they are. They're probably, <laughs> they're okay with mediocre. It's not, it's nothing like it's not, a, you know, they're not picky. Um, I think that along those lines but it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing it just means like they'll be happy with the pbr you know like that's great that sounds exactly like me courtney you nailed it <laughs> um courtney i on a serious note i um people uh, whether it's people on our team or leaders with whom we work i would much prefer a uh, to work with a less talented uh you know less dynamic lower ceiling 
uh, leader, if that's even um, a term to use, but, but somebody who meets deadlines, ha has systems figured out, follows procedures, protocols, et cetera, versus somebody who's like rock star, dynamic, you know, can, can thinks about things in a, you know, absolute brilliant thinker, can, can move a room of 200 people, but, but misses things, forgets things, doesn't have a plan of, of how to make the, the grand ideas come to fruition. Um, I mean, obviously both are ideal. There aren't a lot of folks who are in that bucket, but where do you stand on this? Would you rather have a, you know, you, you coach leaders. I mean, would you rather have someone who's like an absolute rock star thinker and you can just mold them into somebody who remembers to like respond to your emails or would you rather have somebody who just crosses every T, dots every I, but maybe they're not the greatest when it comes to some other, some other piece of the job? That's a tough one. I think first it depends on how you're working with them, right? So if you're talking about coaching someone versus working for someone. So like if that person is, is managing me, my answer would change actually that I think about it. But if we're talking about the coaching, in my opinion, I, I think I disagree with you on this a little bit because I feel like I could coach and maybe this is just what I'm able to do. Someone who is, who is brilliant, like if they're truly brilliant, but they just have areas that they're missing, I feel like I could support them and coach them to get to those pieces mm. versus if it's some, if it's the opposite where they just don't, you know, they're just not able to, to come up with those big ideas and, and especially if it's school leaders, right? So if you're talking about a leader of a school, there's like a level of being a visionary that you kind of have to have. So again, I can probably work within the team. They might have a, you know, a vice principal or, but I, I, I actually would probably prefer, I think I'd probably prefer someone that has an innate level of intelligence and then work with them, even if that could be frustrating. Vance, thanks, Courtney. That, make, that makes sense to me. Vance, where do you stand on that, on that topic? Would you rather like person who's not as, you know, intellectual, doesn't have as much intellectual prowess, but um, figures everything out on time, hands things in, every deadline, every deliverable, or somebody who's just like this, you know, intellectual juggernaut, but they're hard to, hard to, hard to get them to sit still and, and do, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like obviously the person who has them both is like a unicorn. Sure, <laughs> um, sure, yeah. And then I'll take a little bit of, I, I would like a little bit of both, maybe not even the full Monty on all of them. Um, it's really hard to balance because I think that when you find folks that are that super brilliant, can move up, you know, that are extra dynamic, extra skilled, like there's just not enough brain space to do the other things, like the more detailed things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I, I think like the human brain just like, can like struggles to do that. If I had to choose, um, I I mean, I'm a I'm a systems person, and yeah. I I like, and it's probably not the, the the right answer, Courtney. I think you're absolutely right, but I just don't, I, I I need things done, um, and you probably I mean it's like a skill and like you know how I don't know that's a that's a tough question. I, I think there's no answer to this. I think it's one of those. Unanswerable questions. 
because I want I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> I want it all. Um, all right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for providing no clarity for both from both of you. I, appreciate <laughs> I will say if it's if it's my boss though, like if it's someone I work for, mm. I I would say very clearly I want them to be super brilliant. Like I would have a hard time with the with a, a like a manager who was not able that I did not find to be super brilliant because I think like I could fill in the gaps and the systems and the details. Like I'm good at that. Like as the number two, uh, that is what I do. So it's like, mm-hmm. I can kind of support them in that role. And to your point, Antonio, I feel the, I would probably try to do the job for the brilliant person, like whatever they're missing. I'm like, you know what, let yeah. them just do their magic. And like, I would probably try to try to, from my position, fill in those gaps which isn't yeah. sustainable or a good idea, but I would probably, that, that, that's kind of why. Yeah. But then I would go in, insane if I had a boss that was like not organized, missed things, told me one thing, but did something completely different. I mean, I've worked for those bosses as well, where like, you know, they're just like all over the place. And, you know, I sent you that email. No, you didn't. Oh, wait. Like, I mean, that doesn't happen now. I have uh, extremely organized um boss now who's also brilliant i have a unicorn but um i i i don't know like it's that is untrue the folks at home cannot see me shaking my hand sideways <laughs> thank you it's very kind it's you're very the unicorn kind. you just don't have the horn but no the horns close enough <laughs> it's tough that's a i, I don't like this question <laughs> uh courtney we know you're into trivia nights we heard that you do yes. trivia in Philly. Ooh. Can you tell our listeners um, what is a trivia night, first of all, and then uh, where in Philly they should go check those out? And don't tell them your exact location because in case somebody like is like, oh, she sounds really interesting. I want to go talk to her. Don't tell them exactly where you go, but tell them some places you could go. Okay. Well, thank you for that disclaimer because I did not consider safety at all. Um, so- <laughs> Well, we know about the donut shop story. It seems very unsafe. All right. So first off, Trivia Night is, they're all over the city. Um, I do have a spot that I go to. Actually, I am going tonight. It is Wednesdays that I go. So most uh, bars host, um, like, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, Trivia Nights, basically, there's multiple rounds. There could be different questions. It could be sports or movies, TV, events, news. Um, there might be a round where they show you a bunch of pictures and you have to like name that there's music rounds. We have to name the artist. Um, so actually the one I go to gets super, you know, a ton of people there's, so there's a team there that wins every single week. We come in second. Really? Yeah. They win almost, we've won one time my team. Um, but the other team, the same team wins. So to the point where like everyone else there is just competing against this one team, but they're all professors from like Penn. So like in fairness, there's like eight of them and their range is like 30 to like 98 years old. So like they have the knowledge, wealth, <laughs> like the wealth of knowledge is just tremendous. Um, so there's an Ivy League super team at your local trivia night. Is that, is that what you're multiple. telling us? There's multiple. I mean, in fairness, some of the people on my team, I absolutely have Ivy League degrees, but we are not all Ivy League, and, you know, so it's it's not the same and we're not professors. It's a lot of lawyers and educators, which is a whole other group of people, you know, like types of people. But yeah, um, yeah. and it's super fun. And um, 
somewhat competitive and you get pizza and beer. And so some of the local places in Philly that you can go, um, Founding Fathers in, on South Street has a night. I know um, Stogie Joe's in South Philly, Dock Street South has one. So there's, there's a bunch of them throughout the city. It's a great time. Highly recommend. My wife and I, we played trivia night one time at our local bar. They tell you we didn't care about it at all, which I'm not saying that you shouldn't care about it, but we just didn't. So where it says like team name, you have to fill out a card in advance. When it says team name, our, we named it our team, team name. So they would, so they would be like, uh, team name comes in last place again. Uh, and so, we, uh, yeah, we retired pretty, uh, pretty quickly pretty early on yeah that's okay you tried I mean we have yeah there's like 15 16 teams that come regularly and then there's like always random you know people that might happen to be there that play they never get close but um we usually come in like second or third tonight we might win you never know um we'll see what happens how many people are on a team so some trivia nights have rules so some places have like no more than six no more than eight um Ours doesn't have a limit, but the people that play on my team, I would say we have about six to eight people that go regularly. And then the the pen team, they have like 10 and they're always there and they only drink water. And like, oh. that's like the really hard part for me. Cause it's like, they win a gift card every time. And like, what are you even buying? You know what I mean? Like you're not drinking, you're not eating, you're drinking like water. And like, you might have like, I don't know, fries. Like, it's just, it's, it's upsetting, but what are you going to do? I have an issue with this. I don't mm-hmm. love that because it's not social. It's not casual. It's about, I mean, they might all be recovering alcoholics, which if they are. Absolutely. Then yeah, the like, kudos. Like eat some pizza or something. You know what I mean? Like eat there's no great focused. Yeah. Yeah. I think Relax. I need to be invited. I, I think I need to, I need to go to this. You guys are welcome to join. I'm super competitive and I'm not feeling this. Um, I refuse to sit silently when I'm in a bar and listen to somebody. Um, so Vance, you can go. I will stand outside and yell at people. And you can't use your phone. Like if you're on your phone during the question piece, your team will get straight kicked out. Like they will absolutely, like there is zero cheating allowed. Like it is not okay to cheat. So it is, it is very serious. Like I told my friends to leave if they're like going to take a call or something. I'm like, get out, like get, like, don't come near our table. <laughs> it's very, so, <laughs> speaking of competitive, um, are you watching the Olympics? Am I watching the Olympics? Uh-oh. First oh. off, first of off, course you are. I am obsessed with the Olympics since I was a small child, been obsessed with, I thought I was going to be an Olympic athlete. Ooh. Really? So I, what sport not, would you be? When I was a child, actually, I I I was a gymnast, and I actually have a very vivid memory of telling my great grandfather, "I'm going to the Olympics, Papa," and he was like, "Courtney, you have a snowball's chance in hell." (laughs) Now the problem is, I was six, so I like remember like hearing him, and I thought that was like good, and I remember being like, "Yeah, like I have a snowball's chance. Like this is amazing. I'm doing (laughs) cartwheels." And then, like, later in the day, it hit me that, like, a snowball would melt in hell. Yeah. And then it, like, dawned on me that he was, like, you have no shot. So that was, like, <laughs> that was my my pap. He's, a, he's an amazing man. But um, that was my Olympic dream, crushed at six. Though, if I did compete, it would definitely be Summer Olympics. Definitely more 
more into the summer sports, not an outdoor old person. So yeah. That's a different generation of people who are like, yeah, like instead of providing just straight encouragement, it's tell a six-year-old that she has a snowball's chance in hell of becoming an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, better better to know when I was six. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't, I, you know. It's who good knows? Feedback. You could have been the next. I'm not going to, I was going to say someone's name and I'm not sure if they're an Olympian. Wait, say, say the name. Who is it? I was going to, I don't know why this person's, I was going to say Mary Lou Retton, but I don't, yeah. I don't know why that name. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that name just popped into my head. I thought I was going to be like Dominique Dawes or like yes. one of the like yeah. old school, like, like when, this was when I was little. I was like, oh, I'm going to do the beam. I'm going to do, and I was like, a, I mean, I wasn't like a great gymnast. I was six. Like, but for like a six year old, like, I was like, I could like do stuff. I thought I was great, but yeah, it turns out no, that was not my, <laughs> was not made for me. Vance, I like the technique of being like, you know, you could have been the next and then just being like, I'm not going to say the name. I'm just <laughs> retreating. You retreated and you're You know how my brain. With your hands up. <laughs> you know my brain, because I my, my my mouth moves faster than my brain and I don't want to end up getting canceled. So I'm not scared <laughs> to say anything. Because <laughs> God knows what's going to come It is the time of getting canceled. That's true. Yes. Um, what uh, There's something called the monobob. Do you know about this? So like a one-person bobsled. Have you heard this? Do I know about that? Of course <laughs> I know about this. I mean, You're like, I know more about monobobs than I know about old-fashioned donuts. <laughs> no, I actually, yeah. I'm like obsessed with them. I love bobs- bobsledding. Like, I do like the winter sports, but yeah, there's the monobob. I mean, I, I've been up late and then up early, like to watch because it's obviously the opposite hours now. So it's like yeah. the events are like throughout the night. So I've been very tired, but I hate yeah. seeing it after it happened. Like I know what happens. So let's, let's, let's dive in here. And, and both of you are, are former science teachers. How much of like bobsled and the monobob, how much of that is just the start you get like how much, what's, what percentage of impact? Uh, let's say we're, we're obviously we're rating on a scale of 100%, but like what percentage is the, the first six seconds versus the remaining minute and 10 or however long it is? Because it feels like they run really fast and they get in and then like, they're just like, they're just along for the ride. And I'm, I'm certain they're shifting their bodies inside inside the sled to, to, you know, to, to, you know, create momentum and to to stay low or whatever it is, but what's the percentage here? Do you all have have a thought on this? Honestly, it's, it depends on the event, like the luge. You're so you're talking about luge skeleton bobsled, right? All of them. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, so you can steer the luge. Like there's probably has the most, right? Yeah. Right. So I feel like you're less in that one, but I will say even like the announcers who I pretend I'm like an expert at this, I'm totally not. They know after that person within like the first 10 seconds, they're like, oh, bad run. So I feel like (laughs) they're also super negative this year. Like, I don't know this year is I'm just sensitive, but like the announcers on the Olympics have been like, oh, they messed that up. And I'm like, this person is going head first down a (laughs) (laughs) just give them credit for that. But I do think it's a huge piece. Like the first five seconds is like, that makes or breaks it. 
Yeah, that's all the energy you get. Like what it, what you put in, like that's all the energy that you get to put into the system. So that's, that's so I'm interested in the practice of that, right? Because I grew up playing sports like you know basketball and football and things like that. Soccer. If you miss a shot, you run back on defense. You might get another shot. Practice, right? Take a shot in basketball. Boom! You miss it. You go grab it. You shoot it again. I'm thinking about the practice of I'm gonna run as fast as I can jump in the thing. I know it wasn't a great start. And now I have to go down the entire course yeah. for the next two minutes. And I mean, how do they get the sledge back up top? Do you know about this? How do they do it? It probably goes on some sort of like a conveyor belt, right? I would guess. I would guess it's like a, it's like a ski lift for these things because they're heavy. I hope the guy that said he wouldn't come on the show because you were talking about dog shit, I hope he's listening right now how <laughs> riveting this is <laughs> well let's get back to skill which you were just let's talking about go courtney you know i i absolutely love your your systems thinking outside of systems thinking which we we know is is critical for leaders you know regardless if it's education or whatever what, what do you think is the next biggest skill um, besides, you know, outside of systems thinking that leaders really need to develop? There's so many. So I think, I think the leaders that I, the, the most successful leaders, I think, um, one quality that they tend to have is that they're able to, to generate, to generate buy-in. So they're able to get to get staff or families or students, whatever it is, they're able to, to, to get them to buy into whatever it is they want to do. So it's not even about what it is they want to do as much as like they build that relationship, that trust. And that's a tough one because it's like a very hard one to coach. Yep. Like from my perspective, right. If I'm trying to help a leader generate buy-in it, there are things they can do and like, doing a great job at systems will help people trust you, but it doesn't get you the whole way there. Yep. So it's definitely, I feel like there's few leaders that I, I'm sure would say they're successful without getting buy-in because you actually need it for everything. Yeah. I, I think I've recently turned buy-in into persuasion and like almost this, like not necessarily like a fake act, but like this, this persuasive sort of, you know, bring, bringing folks in. And I've been working with a lot of leaders on that. And I agree with you. I think that it's a, it's a critical skill to be able to persuade um, staff and families to see things um, in, a, in a certain light. And coaching, I mean, I took an entire class um, on persuasion. Um, and and getting folks to 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 do this buy-in, so I, I I agree with that. Love it. Ben, so did you did you fail that class? What's what? How come you don't? How come you can't persuade anybody? I persuade everyone. What are you talking about? <laughs> you hired. You me. know what? Hold on. You know what you you do? You just persuaded <laughs> me that that's true. I persuade I like everyone. I'm, yeah, I, 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 I paid attention. <laughs> um, Courtney, we'll get you out of here on this. We're so thankful for your time. Uh, let's go for a succinct answer here. One line, if you could change one thing in urban education in 2022, not COVID obviously, but something that like schools and school leaders could do. Um, what would that one change be? I think 
this is tough one line i would change i think i would want to change the perception that the public and and school you know staff have of education mm. i think right now that is a major i think nationally i think locally here in Philly, the perception of what goes on in schools, of what it's needed to be a teacher, of what it means to be a student, of what it means to lead a school. Um, I really wish that it was more, more known or, or more valid. I just think that right now we're just in a tough spot overall. You think people think it's like easier than it actually is or that folks are slacking or that it's not, um, that they're not working hard enough? What's, what's, let's go further here. I think when you see a great teacher or a well-run school, it looks easy. Yeah. It really looks easy, right? The teacher's teaching, it looks that looks easy. I think what the missing part is is that you don't see what went into that. What went into making that school great? What went into making that teacher great? What do they do when they're not in front of kids? And I think also there's just this this again, this perception that I mean, I work in Philadelphia and it's like, oh, Philadelphia, you know, some of these schools are so dangerous. They're so these are amazing schools in Philadelphia. And I think that type of narrative is like damaging to the staff. That it's disrespectful to 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 like say that about people's livelihoods and where they work and what they do and all the work that goes mm. into it. Some of the best people I've ever worked with, you know, work in the in schools that people say are, you know bad schools. And so I think just having a better understanding, I, I would, I wish I could change that perception for, for our city and also just, just nationally. Talk about a mic drop. I love it. Absolutely. Let's out. Um, and I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, Dr. Courtney Lemon Tate, we've got more to talk to you about. Will you come back at some point and join the show? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. We'd love to have you back. Prediction on your on tonight in your trivia night. You're gonna win, come in second, not place. What do you think? I feel well. We're gonna place. I mean, that would be catastrophic to not come well, in. Everybody has to place, right? I mean, there's nobody that like everybody places, right? Or no? Yeah, but I mean, like we say, place like just like the Olympics, like it's the top three. Top you know what I mean? Three. So okay, we will got, it, got it, got it. Um, okay. It depends on who's who's coming. So I think if if our team, it sounds like we're gonna have a good team. There is a good chance we can take first. So. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go into this positive and think it, you know, number one, that's what we're going to do tonight. We'll see what happens. Well, look, I love the attitude. We have a special surprise for you and your team tonight is that we are actually going to put Antonio in an Uber in about five minutes. He's going to show up to the, to the, we're going to give him a little bit more crown Royal. He's going to show up to the event. He's going to be on your team and we'll just rent, say, I mean, Vance, you're going to persuade everybody. To give the to give the answer that you want them to give, right? Is that what we discussed before? I'm just going to get the other team to drink. <laughs> Persuade the other team to get shit faced. The, the folks from Penn, whatever yeah. it takes. Um, Courtney, can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It was awesome. We loved learning from you. We loved hanging out with you. And um, until next time, folks. For Antonio, and the team at Skyrocket. I'm Michael. And uh, we'll see you next time. Keep on rocking. You just listened to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at WeWillSkyrocket.com and tune in to our next episode.